0: you're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 367. Greetings, Metamorphs. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, your guide to the fantastical world of Metamorph City. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorphcity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you. I'll also tell you about my ongoing journey as a writing professional. More on that later in the show. But for now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 18 of Honor Reclaimed by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 350 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Honor and Natasha went to breakfast at the captain's table aboard the airship Mariposa. There, they were met by Captain Marisol Vasquez and her wife, Sylvia C., Honor's mother, who had caused a devastating scandal when she abandoned her husband and daughter 15 years ago. But Honor has more sympathy for her mother's situation than she used to. She, too, knows what it feels like to want something you are told you are wrong for wanting, to feel trapped in a life bounded by other people's norms and expectations. And so, even though the old anger and pain rose up inside her on instinct, Honor held them back. She could hurt Sylvia in a thousand different ways, but she did not want to hurt her. There had been enough hurt to go around already. So Honor and Natasha listened— as Sylvia and Marisol told them the story of their life together. Sylvia shared the same story that Natasha had previously learned from Mabel. Vasquez explained how a chartered airship flight had led to an unexpected romance with one of her passengers. Honor saw how a desperately lonely woman, married to a man much too old for her, had for the first time found something to live for. Sylvia's eyes pleaded with Honor to understand her, to forgive her for the choices she'd had to make. While Honor was still mulling over how to respond, Sylvia seemed to remember something else. She brought Honor a wooden chest stuffed full of letters. Letters Sylvia had written to Honor, more than fifty of them, stretching back fifteen years. Every single one had been marked Refused, "returned to Sender. Honor had never seen the letters before, She'd had no idea that her mother had tried to stay in contact with her, and had kept trying, year after year, in spite of one rejection after another. It put the lie to one of the oldest beliefs Honor had had about Sylvia, that she had abandoned her, that she had wanted nothing to do with her. Clearly, Sylvia had wanted badly to be part of Honor's life. Just as clearly, someone in House Bellevue had prevented it but whether it was her father or someone on his staff, neither Sylvia nor Honor knew. It was here that Marisol stepped in. Gently, she urged Honor not to hold this against her father, even if he was responsible for it. Good people can do bad things when they are in pain. I came here to give you back a parent, not to take one away, Marisol said. Life is short, and time is precious. Let both your parents love you while they still can. As Honor and Natasha got ready to leave, Sylvia invited them to join her and Mari at their cabin on the coast when they came back this way in August. Honor still had mixed feelings. Fifteen years of pain and anger weren't going to disappear overnight. But she looked at Natasha, saw her nod, and accepted. As Sylvia embraced Honor goodbye, she reached down and touched the butterfly amulet she had left to her daughter fifteen years ago. She noted how in order for a butterfly to be born, the caterpillar has to go into the cocoon and die. The seed of the butterfly was inside it all along, but the old life has to end for the new life to begin. Some day you will find someone who needs that amulet, she said, some sad little caterpillar who needs to know there's a butterfly inside them. When that time comes, promise me you will pass it on to them. We aren't meant to keep it to ourselves. Honor wrapped her hand around Sylvia's. I promise, she said.
1: Honor Reclaimed The House of Bellevue, Book 3 By L.C. Williams Narrated by Vivian Ferrari Chapter 18 Respectfully Yours. Honor and Natasha went back to their cabin and repacked everything for the trip back to House Bellevue's apartment. By now, the ground crew at Matthias Airfield had drawn the Mariposa back down to earth, so they would be spared any more trips in the cargo lift. Captain Vasquez's porters came through the passenger section and gathered up the luggage, then wheeled it down a broad ramp at the rear of the airship. For the passengers themselves, a set of staircases unfolded from the sides of the vessel, which Honor had to admit was a more dignified method than the lift-cage. Honor did not see Duke Thomas or any of his house guards that morning. She wondered if they had stayed at the chateau overnight, as her father had, or if they had just disembarked early. She did notice noble Yasmine and Countess Harcourt sharing breakfast in the main dining hall, but they were deep in conversation at a table for two, so Honor gave them their space. If there was anything she needed to know, she was sure she would hear about it soon enough. A line of carriages stood waiting beside the Mariposa as they descended the stairs to the grassy ground of the airfield. Footmen loaded the luggage while the nobles stood waiting in small groups, most of them looking tired and uneasy. They spoke in hushed voices, if they spoke at all. Honor supposed that many of them had not slept well, as the horror of what had happened at the chateau began to sink in. Good, she thought with grim satisfaction. They should be horrified. The whole empire should be. Perhaps that will ensure it never happens again. Each of the carriages bore the arms of its respective house, so it was a simple matter to find the one for House Bellevue. Carriages for House Moraine and House Townsend stood before and behind it, and Honor was treated to the spectacle of Alex and Delphinia pretending not to see each other as they each supervised the loading of their luggage. The two scions moved in a choreography that seemed entirely subconscious, never more than thirty feet apart, yet always looking anywhere but at each other. It would have been comical, if not for the very real pain— "'embarrassment and wounded pride that Honor knew lay behind it. "'Delphinia was the first to notice Honor and Natasha's arrival, "'and without even glancing over her shoulder, "'she placed herself squarely in the line of sight "'between them and Alex. "'She inclined her head to them in greeting "'and even bowed very slightly at the waist. "'Honor gave her a somewhat deeper bow in return, "'which Natasha copied. "'Lady Delphinia,' Honor said, I trust you slept well? Delphinia's lips twitched into a faint smile. Yes, I found the lack of psychic assault to be quite refreshing. Her gaze shifted up to Natasha, and Honor saw her pale blue eyes fill with something like respect. Miss Volkova, I never thanked you properly for your role in all this. If not for the aid you gathered, well... "'Honor and I might still have escaped, but we could not have stopped the "'drowlings from enchanting the others. "'In my view, the entire peerage owes you a great debt.' Hear, here,' Honor said. "'Natasha seemed unsure of how to respond to such praise. "'After a moment, she gave a stiff nod, then said, "'There is no debt, Lady Delfinia. "'I did only my duty.' I doubt that most ladies' companions would take such an expansive view of their duty, Dauphinia said dryly. But as you wish. She turned to honor then, looking her up and down. She shook her head slightly, that ghost of a smile still on her face. As for you, <laughs> you don't do anything by halves, do you, Bellevue? Issuing a challenge to your own cousin... Honor shrugged helplessly. I had to do something, she said. Something big enough and and obnoxious enough that the Drowlings could not ignore it. Oh, I understood at once what you were about, Delphinia said. It was brilliant, truly. You do realize that you may have been the only lady there who could have accomplished such a ruse. Honor blinked in surprise. Do you really think so? ''Undoubtedly,'' Delphinia said. ''If a graduate of a finishing school had done something so massively inappropriate, the Drowlings would have smelled a trap. But for you, it was entirely plausible that you didn't know any better.'' Honor put her hands on her hips. ''Now hold on a moment.'' ''And then you were so wonderfully earnest that it became impossible to doubt you,'' Delphinia went on her smile spreading into a wolfish grin. I mean, the daughter of Lady Sylvia, confessing to being an invert in front of half the Council of Peers? Who could suspect artifice behind such an act? I can imagine the historians writing about this day. Lady Honor Hindelview saved the Council of Peers through the power of unspeakable awkwardness. Honor had to laugh at that, despite herself. Delphinia, she said, with equal measures of amusement and exasperation. You are an ass. Delphinia's grin grew even wider. Well now, that's not quite as interesting as being a psychopath. The two are not mutually exclusive, Honor said dryly. But I am glad we are on the same side. She offered her arms to Delphinia palms upward. Delphinia didn't hesitate. She placed her own arms atop Honor's, and their hands gripped each other's forearms, just below the elbow. Unlike Lady Drowling, Delphinia was not wearing a knife up her sleeve. She doesn't need one, Honor thought. She carries her blade on her tongue and in her mind. Delphinia looked into her eyes and Honor saw that same glint of quiet respect she'd shown to Natasha. Likewise. A flicker of movement over Delphinia's shoulder caught Honor's attention. Noble Alex was watching them, shifting uneasily from one foot to the other. I believe my intended would like a word with me, she said, soft enough that only Delphinia could hear. Can I trust you to behave yourself, or should we say goodbye for now? Delphinia rolled her eyes. Best not to tempt fate, I think. Until next time, Lady Honor. She released her grip on Honor's arms, nodded once more to Natasha, and returned to her carriage, calling instructions to one of her footmen. No, Emmett, not like that. You're making it top-heavy. Alex looked distinctly relieved as Honor and Natasha approached them sans Delphinia. They exchanged a kiss on the cheek with Honor and traded grips with Natasha. The androgyne was not wearing makeup this morning, and Honor noticed distinct bags under their eyes. Feeling better? Alex asked. Much, Honor said. Though the family reunion was unexpected, I'm told I have you to thank for that. Alex winced. Mama told me just this morning about Lady Sylvia's little game of dress-up. If I had known any sooner, I would have warned you. Was breakfast terribly awkward? Honor considered. A bit awkward, she conceded. But necessary, I think. I have a few answers and several pressing new questions. I haven't decided how I feel about it all yet. Fair enough, Alex said. Relationships with parents can be challenging at the best of times. They took her hand in both of theirs, squeezed it gently. I know it can't be easy, choosing whether to let her back into your life or not. Whatever you decide, I shall support you. Thank you, Honor said, squeezing Alex's hands in return. So where are you off to now? More campaigning for the veterans, Bill? Not today, Alex chuckled. After everything that's just happened, I think we'd be best to step back and let the dust settle a bit. They paused a moment, then added. Plus, frankly, I'm exhausted. I, uh, didn't sleep very soundly last night. Honor clicked her tongue in dismay. Oh, airship travel doesn't agree with you. Possibly, Alex admitted. Though... It was more the fact that I was stuck on the Mariposa while you all went to save the council. They averted their eyes then, and worried their bottom lip between their teeth for a moment. It reminded me too much of the war, watching others be sent into danger while I was left behind. Only it was worse, because this time it was you. Honor reached up and touched Alex's cheek. As I recall... In the war, you were left behind to care for the wounded. There is more than one way to be a hero, dear Alex. Perhaps so. They smiled, looking a bit self-conscious but still pleased. Would you like company for the ride home? I always enjoy your company, Honor said gently. But no, not this time. I have a personal matter to attend to, and as you have just pointed out... You need to rest. So go rest. She kissed them softly on the lips and hoped it would take any sting out of her words. Come by for breakfast tomorrow. I'd be delighted to, Alex said. They turned their focus to Natasha. Perhaps I could arrive early and we can use the fitness room. With all the politicking, I fear my conditioning has gone a bit soft. Natasha nodded approvingly. I would like that. You will be much better company than my last sparring partner, I am sure. Alex looked curious about that, and so was Honor. However, Natasha did not choose to elaborate, and by silent agreement, they did not press the matter. One of the footmen spoke up, addressing Honor. We're ready, lady. Thank you, Lance. Honor wrapped one arm around Alex and the other around Natasha, drawing them into a three-sided hug. "'Until tomorrow, then,' Alex said, and kissed the top of her head. "'Until tomorrow,' she agreed. "'Lord Bellevue returned home in mid-afternoon, "'delivered there directly by one of the Duke's enchanted skimmer sleds. "'He went straight to his study and shut the door behind him. "'Honor gave him an hour to himself, "'then had the kitchen girls bring up the afternoon tea. "'She wheeled it to the study herself.' "'and rapped briskly on the door. "'What is it?' "'Father's voice sounded more weary than angry. "'Honor opened the door and pulled the cart inside. "'A haze of smoke hung in the air "'and a bottle of brandy stood open on the sideboard. "'Lord Bellevue sat in his favorite chair, "'cigar still smoldering in his hand, "'crystal tumbler empty on the coffee table before him. "'He seemed to have aged ten years since the night before.' He looked up at Honour as she came in, and his expression turned guilty, like a dog who had been caught with his head in the garbage bins. I thought I might join you for tea, Honour said. She tried to keep her voice calm and gentle while still being firm. Miss Mabel says it isn't good to have cigars and brandy on an empty stomach. Lord Bellevue grimaced. Miss Mabel should mind her own business, he muttered but he put out the cigar and beckoned on her to come over. She sent out the trays of biscuits, crudités, and finger sandwiches, poured the tea for both of them, then took a seat in the chair beside his. She filled a plate for herself and, seeing that father still had not moved, did the same for him. He took the food from her with a quiet, ''Thank you.'' And for some time they ate and drank tea in silence. Honor waited until her first cup was empty before speaking. How are you feeling, Father? Lord Bellevue let out a sharp, bitter laugh. (laughs) How am I feeling? Like a damned old fool, that's how I'm feeling. He bent forward and set down his plate and teacup, then seemed to deflate, letting out a long, heavy sigh. (sighs) My own kin plotting against me, and I didn't see it. Worse, plotting against you. He shook his head. I looked up to Tyrell, admired him, valued his counsel, and then he does something like this. He sat back in the chair again, letting out a soft groan that might have been from pain or dismay or both. (sighs) One would hope that growing older means growing wiser too, but no, It appears that I will end my leadership of this house the same way I began it, as warning to others about the dangers of poor judgment. He fell silent again. Now that he had given voice to these dark and bitter thoughts, it seemed he could think to say nothing else. When Honor was sure he was finished, she said, Father, I don't think that's very fair to yourself. Lord Bellevue let out a quiet snort. Isn't it? No. Honor reached over and took his hand, running soft fingers over his gnarled and weathered ones. I have seen every inch of our lands, and you have administered them well. The fields still give a good yield, the livestock are healthy, and the forests have not been depleted. But even more than that, I have seen the way you treat your people— You are kind and fair to all the staff. You raised me to adulthood yourself and never took another wife because her children could have displaced me from my inheritance. Lord Bellevue looked up at her in surprise. I never told you that. Honor smiled. You didn't need to. Our library is full of stories about wicked stepmothers and displaced heirs. She squeezed his hand. "'You are a good baron father. "'You have a gentle and nurturing spirit. "'Men like Cousin Tyrell might call that feminine "'and confuse it with weakness, but it is a strength. "'If they took advantage of your trust, "'that reflects on them, not you.' "'He smiled thinly. "'Well, I appreciate your kind words, Honor, dear.' but I think you're a bit biased where your old father is concerned. Not that biased, Honor said dryly. In point of fact, I came in here intending to be cross with you about something else entirely, but you are berating yourself more than enough for the both of us. That got his attention. He sat up straighter and turned a little in his chair to look at her directly. I think you had better tell me regardless. Honour nodded once. She reached down to the bottom shelf of the tea-cart and pulled out Lady Sylvia's chest of letters. The sight of the old box made Lord Bellevue lean forward, his eyes narrowed in interest. "'What have you got there?' he asked. In answer, she opened the chest. Over the past few hours, she had read all of the letters, placing them back in the box in reverse order so that the oldest was on top— Unlike the others, this one had been addressed to Lord Bellevue. She passed it over to him. Inside the envelope was a two-page letter for honor and a shorter message addressed to him. The paper was crisscrossed with dozens of intersecting lines, as if it had been crumpled and then ironed flat again. With a palpable sense of unease, Lord Bellevue unfolded the letter and began to read. Dear Harold, I hope this letter finds you well, or as well as can be expected. I have received the notice of divorce, and from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for not contesting this. I hope in time that you will find freedom in it, as I have. I shall not apologize for my decision. I have only corrected the grievous error that my father committed in arranging the match between us, an error that harmed you as surely as it did me. Yet I cannot wish that it had never happened, either, for it produced our beloved honour. Perhaps the only good and pure thing I have ever brought into this world, and the only one it pains me to leave behind. Each day when I wake, I must remind myself that this life is no place for a child, and that the choice to leave her at Bellevue was the best thing for her. My heart aches, but between yourself and Mabel— I know that I leave her in good hands. I have enclosed a letter that I wrote for her. I will understand if it is too painful for you to read it to her, and she may not understand much of it now, in any case. But if you will entrust it to Mabel, I am sure she will keep it safe until the time is right. If you should wish to reply to this letter, we intend to use this address as a central hub for our shipping runs until at least next spring." Any correspondence sent here should reach us within a month, at the latest. I will endeavor to keep you informed of any changes. Respectfully yours, Sylvia. With trembling hands, Lord Bellevue set the letter back down on the coffee table. He cleared his throat and wiped furtively at his eyes. Do you remember this letter? Honor asked, her voice low and gentle. Of all of the letters in the box, it was the only one that had been opened and resealed, the wax bearing the mark of House Bellevue. I... I do remember, he said, his tone hollow. I remember reading that first paragraph, and then being so angry that I balled it up and threw it across the room. I... I don't think I ever looked at the rest... Why were you so angry? Honor asked. He spread his hands, which still trembled slightly. Because I was a foolish man whose pride had been wounded. This, this woman, this girl half my age, had broken her pledge to me, had run off with a commoner, had been shamed, excoriated, stripped of every privilege in punishment for her transgression, and she called it freedom. She had the the temerity to be happy, to wish me well, to thank me for the divorce as if I had done her a great favor, as if the scandal that nearly destroyed our house had been a good thing. He shook his head wearily. I couldn't understand it at the time. I wanted her to suffer for what she had done, as if that would make anything better. Slowly, Honor nodded. What changed your mind? Lord Bellevue shifted in his chair, looked down at his lap. It wasn't one thing. As I grew older, I met different sorts of people, talked to them. Some of them were kind enough to tell me things I needed to hear. I read a great many books, as you know. In time, I gained enough distance from my own past to look at it more objectively. He looked up then and his eyes were distant, thoughtful, and haunted. I believe the most important moment came about five years ago, when we were renovating the east wing of the house. There was this box of old baubles that had been pulled out of the cabinets, things the staff wasn't sure what to do with. Mabel and I were going through them together, deciding what to keep and what to throw away. And there was this old healing charm in there, the charges had all been expended, so it was useless. I asked, Why on earth do we still have this? And Mabel picked it up, and she began to cry. Honor found herself leaning forward on the edge of her seat. Lord Bellevue continued, a noticeable tremor in his voice. I sat her down, of course, asked her what was wrong, and she told me about the night. She had walked into your mother's washroom and found her lying unconscious in the bathtub. There was a razor on the floor beside her, and her wrists. His voice caught on a sob, his face crumpled with pain. Eli, have mercy, Honor whispered. She... she had tried to... She couldn't even finish the sentence. Father nodded. Mabel, grabbed the healing charm, used it, cleaned her up and put her to bed. They never spoke of it again. But it was only a few days later that Sylvia came to me and told me she was going on a trip to Torn with Yasmin. She said she needed it for her health. Honor put the pieces together. And that was where she met Captain Vasquez. So I gathered, Yes. Father took a handkerchief out of his pocket, dabbed at his eyes, and blew his nose. When we found that old charm again, all those years later, I had learned enough to understand what had happened. The despair that comes when one is trapped in a life where one cannot be one's true self. You need to understand, Honor, that your mother did not choose between a life with you and a life without you. She only chose between... Well, two kinds of absence, one much more permanent than the other. A chill ran through Honor's whole body at that. In another world, if the Drowling's plan had succeeded, that might have been me. Her eyes fell on the envelope. What happened to the letter after you crumpled it? Obviously it made its way back to us somehow. Lord Bellevue grunted. Our butler at the time, Bryson. He asked what should be done with it. I told him he could send it to the ninth hell for all I cared. He picked up the envelope again, tracing his finger over the refused stamp with its faded red ink. I suppose he thought this would dissuade her from sending anything else. Otter reached into the chest and pulled out the rest of the letters. It didn't, she said and passed them over to him. Lord Bellevue's eyes widened as he saw the thickness of the stack. He flipped through them, slowly at first, and then with increasing haste, no doubt examining the dates on the postmarks. His face held a growing look of horrified realization. When he reached the last one, he sat back heavily in his chair, looking stunned. You had no idea she was writing to me, did you? Honor asked. Slowly, he shook his head. No, Bryson... He must have given instructions to the rest of the staff, standing orders to refuse any letter that came from her. No one would have questioned it. He sighed. I would ask him, but... I know, Honor said softly. Bryson had died of a stroke when she was eight years old, he was buried in the family cemetery at the estate. Carefully, Lord Bellevue handed the letters back to Honor. Have you read them all? I have, Honor said. She placed the letters back inside the chest and closed the lid. They are... Well, it's a great deal to digest. She looked down at her hands. I spent so long hating her. Or rather hating a version of her that lived in my head, based on stories that other people had told me. Now I learn that there's this whole other person who was something quite different from what I'd imagined, and that she's been trying to talk to me for fifteen years. It is disorienting. I can imagine, Lord Bellevue said. He looked as if he wanted to ask something else, but then thought better of it. She wants to see me again? Honor said after a moment. To try to have a relationship. Father nodded, his expression carefully neutral. Is that something you want? Honor gave him an apologetic look. Would it be terribly painful if I said yes? To her surprise, her father chuckled. Fifteen years ago? Most likely, yes. Now? Now? He shook his head. I am old, Honor. You will not have me much longer. No, don't deny it. We both know it's true. But your mother has many years ahead of her, Eli willing. You will not have the relationship you might have had if she had raised you. But there is still time to make something worth having. He reached over and took her hand again. It may not be easy. The life she has lived these last fifteen years... Well, you've read A Life in the Clouds, so you know it isn't all romance. It's hard work among hard people. And to thrive and prosper in that world, she would have to develop a hardness herself. I can't say how that might have changed her, but I'm sure she isn't the same Sylvia I knew. He smiled slightly. But if the core of that Sylvia has survived, then she is a person worth knowing. If I were in your shoes, I think I would try. Honor smiled back and covered their joined hands with her free one. I appreciate the advice, father. Thank you. You're very welcome, my dear. He took his hand back, braced both hands on the arms of his chair, and levered himself slowly to his feet. And... mm, Oh... Thank you for reminding me that I have better things to do than sit here feeling sorry for myself. The council is meeting tomorrow and we have work to do. He began moving toward the door and gestured for honor to follow. She rose to her feet and did so. We? she asked. You and I, you mean? He glanced over his shoulder and his eyes twinkled. What else would I mean? he asked, And the lightness of his tone belied the momentous weight of those words. Come along, my dear. Things are about to become very interesting.
0: And that's the end of Chapter 18. One more chapter remains in the House of Bellevue. Come back next time, and you'll find out what becomes of Honor, Natasha, and Alex as they face the future together. Plus, you'll hear a special afterward from Dr. Williams herself. Samuel Johnson said, A writer only begins a book. A reader finishes it. So, let's see what I've begun this week. It's time for the Weekly Writing Report. This update covers the week of January 21st through January 27th. I wrote 5,809 words this week, over the course of 7.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 775 words per hour. I wrote on 6 out of 7 days this week, and have gone 38 days without breaking my chain. This week I continued working on my Metamore City adaptation for the cipher system of tabletop role-playing games. A lot of work this week went into describing how religions work in this setting within the context of the game. Divine intervention is a pretty big part of the Metamorph setting. I wrote a whole book about it, after all. So it was important to figure out how that would express itself in the game. Fortunately, the cipher system is pretty much ideal for this, because one of its core mechanics involves giving the characters powerful special abilities, called ciphers, that can only be used once. Sometimes these ciphers are physical objects—something like a magic scroll, or a potion, or a high-tech experimental gadget, or even something as mundane as a grenade. And all of those are appropriate for Metamore. But there are also what the game calls subtle ciphers, which are something more intangible—a stroke of luck, a sudden inspiration, or a heroic burst of strength. I realized that these subtle ciphers were a perfect mechanic for divine blessings, the little miracles or twists of fate that the gods might use to tip the balance in a character's favor. And with a broad pantheon of Adra and Daedra, and several more intangible deities like Eli or the Elvish God, there's room for a wide variety of different blessings to be employed. Another thing I had to do during this process was to work out the ethos of each of the gods in the setting. What are the teachings that they want their followers to live by? What's really important to them? For some, this was easy. I'd done lots of work in the past to flesh out the ethos for, say, Suspira. But others I haven't thought much about since I first created the Pantheon 25 years ago. I think I might share this part of the work on the Patreon feed. It could be an interesting peek behind the curtain. Between last week and this week, I've written more than 10,000 words in the Cypher System document. When the time comes to start playtesting, I'll let you know how it goes. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is Fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out.